When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. The northernmost reaches of Appalachia, actually the hills of southwestern Pennsylvania, were the music launching pad for Cindy G and her music. She spent a season away from home pursuing R&B before coming back to her roots and rediscovering her true love of bluegrass. In this episode, we talk to Cindy about her music, her career, and her most recent CD, Moonshiner's Daughter. Hi, Cindy. Welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Greg, it's really great to be with you today. Yeah, I appreciate you giving us some time to chat and, and learn more about your your life and your music. Oh, I'm happy to be here to talk about it. <laughs> and uh, we're uh, I talk to people all over the, the country, all over the world sometimes, and we're fortunate, I guess, to both be on the same side of the coast. Uh, I'm in Virginia, you're in Pennsylvania. so Yes, I uh, am. I'm in Pennsylvania right now. Is that, um, uh, is that where you spent most of your life? I did. I was born and raised in, uh, I always called the uppermost reaches of, as we say here, Appalachia, um, yeah. southwestern Pennsylvania, okay. um, uh, about 30 miles outside of Pittsburgh. I was born and raised in a little area called Elizabeth Township, and um, I moved away quite a few years ago, but my husband and I loved the area so much that we bought an old farmhouse here in Somerset County, oh, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah. So we have an old barn here that we refurbished, and I give bluegrass concerts in the barn here. Oh, so, cool. Okay. Yes. So obviously your your career these days is about bluegrass music, but if I understand correctly, reading through some of the notes, that's not exactly... Um, the you, you started in Appalachia and, and, and grew up that way, but kind of took a different path. Is that right? That's very true. My dad was a bluegrass fiddle player, and in, um, I always tell this story, too. In fifth grade, whenever the instrument companies came around to the school and, you know, wanted you to play something to be in the marching band, you know, I wanted to play the clarinet, and my dad said something to me that just made so much sense, even as a little fifth grader. He said, why don't you play a musical instrument? You don't need an entire marching band to ah, <laughs> yeah, that's or play. Cool. <laughs> and he said, why don't you play the guitar or the fiddle? So I started playing guitar in fifth grade, and I that was it. I mean, I, I was just so hooked in music and even songwriting. Once I learned my first three chords of G, C, and D, I, I remember I was already writing songs way back as a little fifth grader. Mm-hmm. Um, and y- you, you kind of went, on the opposite direction, right? Rock and roll, R&B, and... and Yes, I mean, I played a little bit of bluegrass music. There were some um, bluegrass pickers in my neck of the woods there in Elizabeth Township, and um, that didn't last long, though. I I got hooked up in a Pittsburgh band. I don't even want to say what year it is, because it seems (laughs) like I'm ancient at this point, but it was a really long time ago. It was called the Flash Cats, and it was a very successful Pittsburgh band, and we... uh, 
revived the career of an old um, R&B legend, Bull Moose Jackson. We traveled around and played different places with him, and we played a lot of R&B music, but I always wrote songs, and the Flash Cats had a lot of original material and a lot of uh, recordings that were put out at the time, even in record mm-hmm. at that time, cassette, <laughs> and then it moved on to CD, but I wrote a lot of songs in my career for the Flash Cats. Okay. And then after the Flash Cats were over, I decided, hmm, I really like this. I want to take this music thing more seriously. So I moved to New York City when I was in my late 20s. Mm-hmm. And there I I hooked up with some um, great musicians and uh, producers um, who I recorded some stuff with there. And I had uh, two girls that I played with. We had a band called In the Pink, and I was two, three girls and three guys. Um, and that was a whole lot of fun, but that was like the 80s, big hair, sure, yeah. rock and roll era. And I was writing songs during that time period, too. That was always um, that's what I consider myself first before anything else as yeah. a singer-songwriter. Okay. So, um, yeah, that took me up until that point. And then um, I eventually moved to New Jersey and settled down and married my husband, and I, I played in a lot of cover bands there. Again, it was all big hair rock and roll music, and uh, I played electric guitar, and I uh, wasn't writing a whole lot then, um, and then I didn't, I stopped at some point. I just, my ears couldn't take it anymore. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I think it wore my ears out, yeah. and um, I stopped playing completely and probably didn't even touch an instrument for about five or seven years, mm. and then after my son was born, I was saying to my husband, you know, if I ever go back to playing music, I was getting the itch. You know, I said, I think I'd like to go back to playing bluegrass music because you can grow old playing bluegrass music. Yeah. And um, we had my son in a baby carriage and we were walking through a park in New Jersey and there were some bluegrass pickers playing there in a gazebo. Hmm. So I walked over and just asked, hey, how can I start to do this and who can I meet that I can play with? And they told me about a place in New Jersey called Albert Music Hall and... uh, something else called BOTMA, B-O-T-M-A, Bluegrass and Old Time Music mm-hmm. Association. And um, um, Albert Hall is every Saturday night. You can go there. It's like five bucks to get in. It's all the bluegrass you can stand. Mm-hmm. They have organized cool. acts on stage. And uh, people just uh, jam, you know, outside mm-hmm. of the parking lot in the front porch. So that's always a big deal in the summer. And then, you know, the Batma thing was like a one Sunday a month kind of thing. So that's how I got back into it. I met people, started playing, I started writing songs again, and um, I put out my first CD, which was all done locally in New Jersey, The Road, mm-hmm. in 2012, I think it was, and um, that got good reviews in Bluegrass Unlimited, and that's how I met uh, Jim Van Cleve, was um, through the good reviews, and a friend introduced me, and mm-hmm. we decided we would collaborate, and then that was my um, big step uh, into Nashville, was working with Jim Van Cleve on my second project, which was the Jailbreak CD. Yeah, and of course, uh, most folks know who who Jim is and and his Grammy work and all that kind of stuff. So that yes. that's that, that that's really cool that that your journey kind of brought you full circle and um, and then back into uh, collaboration with him. And I, if I read right, I think you got to work with some some pretty significant uh, bluegrass musicians. Oh my! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's this like you know unknown person coming out of Pennsylvania or and. Um, he just he put together like the all star cast of bluegrass players for both CDs. But the first CD, the Jailbreak CD, I had uh, Todd Phillips on bass, I had Rob Ikes on dobro, I had Scott Vestal on banjo, Aaron Ramsey on um, 
mandolin. I had Sam Bush on mandolin on two podcasts. Seth Taylor on guitar. I had Brian Sutton on guitar. Um, who am I leaving out? Jim, of course, on fiddle. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I don't know. I hope I didn't leave anybody out there. But I mean, it was built wrong to Vincent. She um, right. Yeah. She sang um, uh, vocalist on the Jailbreak cut. So it just I just went from playing in my little local circles to here I am immersed with the best of the best in bluegrass. And what's so funny, too, about working with Jim was that I, um, one of the first CDs that I got from a friend at the beginning of me just getting back into this bluegrass music, it was about 12 years ago now, I think it was, was the Carrie Hassler Hard Rain CD that was used by Jim Van Cleef. And... And, of course, he played on it. And I love that CD. And to me, I mean, I do have a real appreciation for uh, all the traditional bluegrass and, um, you know, Flat and Scruggs and Monroe and all of that. I mean, they're the, you know, the the forefathers of of the bluegrass music. But I, as a singer-songwriter, I think I am a little out of the box with some of my, um, you know, songwriting, um, how I go with my songwriting. And I love the newer newer bluegrass music uh-huh. and to me that um carrie hassler and hard rain cd like really epitomized everything that i thought wow i mm. wish i could make music like this and so who would know that how many years was it after that maybe eight years later yeah. that i would get to meet and work with jim van cleave yeah. and i said that was like a real uh dream come true for me did you have any idea while you were in your uh, rock and R and B phase in your of your career that that all of this um, kind of I, I, almost a reemergence in some ways, maybe a new emergence in other ways of the bluegrass and and string and roots music thing was going on uh, simultaneously? Was that were you connected at all to the to nope. the genre? No. <laughs> Nope, had no idea. I wasn't following bluegrass, any of that kind of music at that time. You know, it was all, um, you know, big hair, rock and roll music. Mm-hmm. And even to this day, I'll still listen to some of those old 80s bands like Winger or oh, yeah, uh, sure. whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I uh, no, I, I had nothing. I, I was totally clueless about it at yeah. that time. How, how does your songwriting, or, or does it, change? from from the kind of music you were playing to shifting into the kind of music you're playing now um you know when lyrically and when you're feeling these things out as you're putting them into words does that part stay the same or does the whole process shift for you well it probably shifted a little bit i think i whenever i started writing purposely for the bluegrass genre i thought about my subject matter you know i i tried to write a lot of songs that would um well, I'm very inspired by real life and local folklore and history of, especially the southwestern Pennsylvania where I was born and raised. And so I always hear stories, like on the Jailbreak CD, there's a song called Hexy, which was about a witch that lived in the hills here in in, um, in southwestern Pennsylvania. Hmm, okay. Or Living Picture on the Jailbreak CD is a song about a Mather Mine, uh, the Mather Mine um mining disaster, which was in Greene County, Pennsylvania, you know, so my subject matter definitely shifted. I think I wrote more heartbreaking type love songs. Before that, um, I never thought much about the subject matter of the song. Years ago, I just wrote whatever I was feeling or, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about, but then 
when I started shifting to bluegrass, I was writing songs about something specific, you know. Um, even uh, Wise County, the wild Wise County is about um, Wise County, Virginia. It's a ghost story, a sure. supposedly true ghost story mm-hmm. um, from a girl uh, in Wise County, Virginia. You know, so I, when I travel, my husband and son and I like to travel a lot, and we go through... We love Hillsville, Virginia in particular, and the um, the big flea market that's down oh, there yeah. every Labor Day weekend, <laughs> yeah. close to Galax. But we've done the um, oh the Creeper Trail and all sure, that, so yeah. I always get books and things that tell about the local folklore and history and, or ghost stories, and the Civil War is another thing, you know. So I, um, I, I find I'm writing a lot more songs that have, a, you know, true stories or meanings behind them. Hmm, that, that's neat. So when when you uh, when you play, are you also able to play out in those areas that you just mentioned uh, when you're performing your music, or, or are you more in the the kind of the I'm upper region? The, I'm more in the southwestern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware uh-huh. region, and I mean, it'd be nice to break out a little. So we'll see. You know what the new CD brings. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, there's so many. I know there's so many places and venues and festivals all over the place. So yeah, I'm, I'm you know ready to step that up a little bit too. I always find it interesting how uh, you know each region kind of has its own pocket of of mid level and and you know entry level and high level um, uh, festivals and, and events like that. And um, it, it's interesting that that with the exception of I guess the few maybe bigger bigger named acts, a lot of the artists kind of stay within that pocket of of um, festivals. And sometimes folks don't get to hear about the different. Uh, the different festivals, say in Virginia, versus the different kinds that are in the upper part of Pennsylvania. That's, that's very true, and it is surprising to me. There's a lot of festivals across Pennsylvania. There's, there's actually one this weekend, Remington Ride, up there in Center Hall, Pennsylvania, sure, about three yeah. hours from where I'm at right now. But um, I, I am surprised at how many of the local Pennsylvania regional bands play, uh, you know, all over at a lot of these same festivals. You know, so it's kind of it is. It's really kind of a regional, a regional thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you mentioned living on a farm, and and we kind of I kind of jumped ahead a bit, and we were talking about your songwriting. Do you find that living in that sort of a rural environment is also uh, adds to the um, to the ambiance of your songwriting? Absolutely, for me, because I am a Pennsylvania mountain girl, country girl, at heart. So um, I'm inspired. I say everything. It's a song. You know, everything yeah. I see, I'm like, oh, I can write a song about that, or I, you know, put that away in my songwriting bank, I call it, of ideas, uh-huh. and, um, you know, pull something out whenever I, I need to write a song. I feel like writing a song, absolutely, I think, uh, living rurally, uh, for me, anyway, definitely is inspirational to my songwriting. And the songwriting actually got you an award, right? You were, um, I think you said third place, Chris Austin. Yes, the third place uh, finalist winner, whatever you call it, at the um, Chris Austin Songwriting Competition um, at Merle Fest in 2016. Yeah, so Jailbreak, the song Jailbreak, Uh the title cut from that CD uh, was the song. So I I had to go and perform it live, just me and one other musician. And I went with uh, Jake Stargell, accompanied me. I played mandolin and he played guitar. So that was wild. That was a wild experience too. And I mean, there's some really famous songwriters that win that. And so I, it was kind of a prestigious award. I 
Nashville to be included in that group of songwriters. Yeah. What was it like getting to play there on that? I think they do it on the cabin stage right there, kind of um, in front of the large group of folks, or do you play well, it somewhere else originally? I think it was inside. I don't think it was the cabin stage. It was inside. I, I don't okay. remember to be uh, specific right at this moment. But, um, you know, like Brian Sutton's there and um, Michael Cleveland, you know, and they're accompanying some other people yeah. that might be playing or just watching or something. And so it's it's a little nerve-wracking because I feel more comfortable playing with the whole band, you know, surrounding me than just sure. uh, me and by myself or yeah. one other person. Yeah. But um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was a truly great experience. And, yeah, I think it was uh, Jim Lauderdale that um, hosted it. Yeah. So you got to meet him. You get to talk to him. So you're kind of just rubbing elbows and shoulders with some people that, you know, songwriters I've uh, I've always admired. So that was very cool. So you went back to the studio and uh, back again with, with Jim. And, and so now the, the new record, uh, Moonshiner's Daughter, is out. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, it was not going to be Moonshiner's Daughter. I wrote a song called This Old Man, which I love, and it's on the CD. And uh-huh. I thought for sure... This Old Man is going to be the title cut, and this is one of my story songs. And I'll play a little story about This Old Man, and then we could talk about Moonshiner's Daughter sure. a little bit. But um, my father gave me a newspaper, well, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, back in 1999. And on the full page, black and white, uh, you know, uh, newspaper was a black and white picture of a man named Marlon Miller, and it, on the top of the paper, in big bold letters, it said, this old man, and he was dressed in his finest clothes, which if you look real close in the picture, you can see that he actually hand-sewn them himself. Mm. He had what looked like a homemade bow and arrow. Mm. And I looked at that picture and said, wow, this looks really interesting in 1999. And I put it away. <laughs> <laughs> and I moved it around my house, and I moved, and I still found it. And then I would move it around my house again. And I did that for 16 years. Wow. I kept finding that newspaper article. And finally, in 2016, I pulled it out, and it reminded me of my dad. My mm-hmm. dad's been gone for 10 years now, God rest his soul. And I said, I'm going to read this, finally, because my dad gave it to me, and it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And so it was. It was a super interesting article to me about a man who lived like a hermit, basically. He had no uh, running water, no electricity, this is just 30 miles outside of Pittsburgh back in, you know, the 80s, the 90s. Mm-hmm. And um, he scared people off of his property with a shotgun. He lived there with <laughs> his dog Skeeter. And about the only, he had a few people that he would leave on his property. And one of them was a photographer named John Beale, who was allowed to photograph him. And I believe did photograph him for about 20 years. Hmm. And so the photographs in the newspaper were spectacular. Hmm. And um, it was just, I, I thought I have to write a song about Marlon. So to learn more about Marlon, I guess you have to get the CD and you have to hear the song. Yeah, okay. It tells all about Marlon and his crazy escapades and and how uh, his life finally ended. But I did get to meet, uh, I haven't met him yet, but I've been in contact with John Beale, the photographer, and he gave me permission to use one of the photographs of Marlon inside uh, the Moonshiner's oh, cool. Daughter okay. CD packet, which is a fabulous, fabulous photograph. And nothing about it is contrived. I mean, it's all real, huh. which makes it, you know, really moving to me as a songwriter. So. I was so in love with that song that then I'm still writing, writing, writing for the CD. And so I write this song, Moonshiner's Daughter. 
and I present it to Jim, and he's like, this is the song. This, and I think I knew that, too, mm-hmm. whenever I wrote it. And it's about a girl named Sloan Payne. It's just kind of a name. I can't remember if I heard it somewhere or I actually made it up, but who's the moonshiner's daughter and, and her dark life of kind of having to guard the whiskey still. Mm. So um, I come to find out when I was writing that song that um, the hills here in southwestern Pennsylvania have a very rich moonshining history. And um, I thought as I was writing the song that, oh, maybe I should shift the song to not be about Sloan Payne, but Bill Pritz, who was one of the most notorious moonshiners that the country ever ever knew he eluded the revenuers for like 20 years or hmm. something and um um he was a very his his descendants still live in this area and i got to meet them hmm. and um i never did write a song about bill but I, I probably will at some point but we did do a video also for the moonshiner's daughter um song and um i got the still from the pritz family so maybe better not tell anybody that oh really that's cool <laughs> but, but um, yeah, so that's just so cool. So those I get to meet people like that, and yeah. I get to make friends through my music. So um, yeah, so that's a little side story about the Moonshiner's Daughter song, anyway. But it did really turn out to be one of the um, outstanding cuts on the CD. Just the instrumentation, uh, through all the all the musicians. It just I call it. Appalachian angst mm-hmm. that that particular song because it's a dark story. The music is modern um, to me, like modern bluegrass, but it still has that Appalachian sound mm-hmm. and feel to it, especially like with Raw Bikes on the Dobro. Um, so it's just I, you know, we recorded it a, a year ago, over a year ago, and I uh, just got the you know final masters not that long ago. But um, I, I still am not tired of listening to it. Mm, that's cool. And is it, when's the release date, or is it officially out? It's going to be in July. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking it might be the 16th, but okay. that could change, and I'm looking to Claire for all of that. Yeah. You know, so, um, okay. But it's going to be in July, definitely. It'll be available on Airplay Direct to all the radio DJs, sure. and, for, and then it will be, um, you can download it, you know, from um, CD Baby or my website, Cindy G Bluegrass. And we're going to release that for single, and then we'll pick another single and then the whole CD will come out probably in September sometime. Okay. Well, it's certainly, um, you, you make me want to listen to it. Oh, good. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I read somewhere in, in, in the notes that uh, one of the things that, that folks have uh, praised you for is your, your storytelling. And certainly that has uh, shined through here. And in in, definitely in this last bit, when you've been talking about the songs, you have this, this way of, of you, you, you want to go hear the song so you can hear the rest of the story. So well, I, I, thank you. so yeah, so I, I appreciate that. And, and that, uh, to me makes the song even more interesting, you know, cause it's, you tell half the story and you sing the other half kind of feeling, you know, so I, yeah. that's cool. But, yeah. And I don't know. I, I mean, I do feel like I have a knack for story songs. I don't know why sometimes it makes the songs a little too long, <laughs> four minute, almost five minute songs, but, um, you know, uh, it's, it's hard to, to tell, say everything you want to say yeah. in three minutes or under. So I did some of the more fun songs, you know, or yeah. your three minute, your three minute songs. But it's all fun. It's all good to me. Yeah, cool. Well, if folks want to get in touch with you, they want to uh, make arrangements to pre-order the CD. What's the best way to track you down? Cindy G Bluegrass, C 
C-I-N-D-Y-G, for Gata, bluegrass.com. And I also have um, some CDG everywhere on the Internet, on okay. CD Baby, on Facebook, Cindy G Bluegrass. I'm, I'm actually Cindy G Bluegrass on Facebook. So that's um, probably the best way. All right. Moonshiner's Daughter is out later this month. And so we definitely look forward to that. Thanks, Cindy. Appreciate it. Enjoy getting a chance to, to hear more about your story. Well, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Greg. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.